Good morning, good morning, Word of Truth Ministry family. God bless you. We've made it through another week of this pandemic and with the civil unrest that is going on in our country and with all the things that are happening in your lives, we have made it through another week. Ain't God good? Listen, like always, we're going to talk about our confession of faith here at the Word of Truth Ministry and what we believe in. We believe in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations. It talks about we do not compromise the Word of God. See, Revelation 22 and 19 says, and if anyone take away from the word of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. See, at the word of truth ministry, we believe that the Bible builds faith, which empowers the purpose that God has put in us. Now, if you have your Bibles today or whatever you use to look at, and please, 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 as my pastor used to say when I was a kid, Donald J. Ritchie used to say, do not trust the words I'm saying but look through the word for yourself. So please have raise up your Bibles and repeat that to me. This is our Bible. We believe every word from Genesis to Revelation. We live by it. We confess it. We trust it. We're led by it. We stand on it. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, God gave me a message today, which is pretty interesting. I was uh, studying Joshua. And I was going through the scriptures and what God told me was God destroys walls. So repeat this out loud. God destroys walls. So what are walls? So what happens is we know walls can be natural or they could be spiritual walls in the natural. We can talk about what are some of the uses for walls. So when we start talking about walls, let's talk about some of the agencies that literally use walls to function. The government, for example. Uh, if you ever go to a U.S. military base, you'll see that it has walls or fences around it. Um, if you go and see if you ever go to the border towns in this country, you will see that we have big fences that actually protect and guard the country to keep people out or keep people in. But it's to secure the country. If you go to airports, they have walls around the airports to make sure that when the airplanes come in, they can land safely without people intruding upon the runways. We know that the prison system, if you ever go to a prison today, you'll see that the people in, in prison, they have walls around the prisons. That's order to keep people in and to keep contraband out. It's to protect the public. A lot of homes, we have walls in our homes, especially down in Florida. We put up these things called privacy fences because a lot of us have pools. So when you have a pool, you want to put up a wall so you can actually enjoy yourself without somebody just watching you while you walk around or swim in your pool. See, these things uh, help keep uh, kids in and help keep your pets in. So walls have multiple purposes. See, at work, uh, sometimes we have walls there as well. At work, we have walls like the lack of promotion and advancement. You have a wall that you feel that you run up to, that there is no way for you to get over this wall because someone has put this barrier, a boundary around you to keep you from advancing to where you could or should be which sometimes results in us as humans becoming workaholics, which results in absenteeism. So there are many different types of walls that we deal with in our lives. The question is, what do you do about these walls? See, all these walls fall on the premise of some form of protection. Walls sometimes gives us a false sense of security. Now, there are also things called emotional walls that we deal with. For example, relational walls. We we have walls uh, or we wall off our heart because of a previous hurt. So what happens is you in a relationship with somebody, whether it's marriage or divorce or whatever it may be, and you get hurt. So what you start to do is you put this wall around yourself in order to protect your heart. 
And what it builds or results as a lack of trust and sometimes it causes isolationism and it causes depression and despair. See, some walls are just horrible to build already on yourself. So you have childhood walls that result from abuse as a child or whether physical or mental. And these things cause bitterness and anger and life of fear and trust issues and lifelong emotional scars, all based off these walls that you incurred or you developed after being having problems as a child. And last, we'll talk about sinful walls. We allow sins to entrap us into certain situations. And when they do this, we feel helpless and hopeless at times that we cannot get out of the sin, that the little sin we get into more sin and more sin and becomes compounded, which leads to a life of loneliness and fear and regret and guilt, a lack of trust in our own ability and the feeling of being unworthy in the sense of serving our Lord. So why do people put up emotional walls? It's, it's a means that people use to try to protect themselves in which by acting uh, a bit reserved, uh, they act distance with everyone just because they believe that letting people get close will hurt them. Sometimes people build walls not to keep others out, but to see who cares enough to break through them. See, God destroys walls. Now, what I need you to understand is not that all walls are bad. Not all walls are bad. Many walls, many walls are good. But any wall or petition that we put in place that hinders our relationship with God or minimizes our access to God is something that must be destroyed. Walls. Walls. In the name of Jesus. Walls. So here it is again. We're talking about these different types of walls and we're going to talk about from here from the prospect of Joshua. So if you have your word today, I need you to turn to Joshua today. Joshua is going to be a great, great message that I need everyone in here to look at today and with expectation that you're going to receive a word from God. I am my notes kind of fell out of my computer a little bit. So give me one second so I can get back to where I was. Amen. Actually, I have my old notes. I didn't have my new ones. And let's see if these are the old ones or the new ones. Oh, thank God. The old notes and the new notes. I think they're coming together. So here it is. It talks about Joshua. I'm going to go through like what we call the clip note versions of it. I'm going to talk about from basically from chapter one to chapter six. It's very important that you understand this when it comes down to breaking down walls. See, if you look at the first chapter of uh, Joshua, what it talks about in the beginning is the introduction of Joshua and the place that God has put him in at the Moses' death. It affirms some things in his life and it lets him know that God is going to be with him and walk with him through this process. It talks about the inheritance of the land and it gives Joshua some instructions about breaking camp where he was at because they were on one side of the Jordan and they needed to cross over to the other side of Jordan. And they crossed over to the other side of Jordan. They would actually finally start to partake of the promises of God. So Joshua gets up in the morning after all this is done and he gets his confirmation, the affirmation from God. And he tells the people, he sends them out and says, look. I need you to get yourself ready because in a three day journey, we're going to cross over to the Jordan into the promises of God. And this is what happens. So all the Israel responds to Joshua because he also tells at the same time there was also called the Transjordan portion of Israel, which were those people that were going to stay on the other side of Jordan. I think there were the Gibsonites and there was also the Manassas tribes, right? Half of the Manassas tribe were going to stand there. But he told them and gave them explicit instructions that their warriors or their soldiers were going to accomplish uh, Israel over into the promised land to 
fight for the things that God has promised as they had already agreed to or what the destruction was given from Moses. And their response was very interesting because what they said was, know what, we're going to follow you, Joshua, just like we followed Moses to the extent that if anybody disobeys or anybody rises up against what you have said, they will die. They took this process serious. In order to remove walls in our lives, sometimes we realize it is a process. Some walls don't just come down by just trying to knock it down. You have to go brick by brick, wall, socket by socket, inch by inch in order to destroy it. So here it is in chapter two. You see something very interesting in the process of Joshua getting the people ready to cross over to Jordan. He sends out two spies to look at the land, but mostly to look at the city that they were first going to come into contact with, which was going to be Jericho. So he sends the two spies into Jericho and you read the story. It is so amazing when you read the story that the spies enter the city because the gate is open and they enter into the house of this prostitute. And when they enter into the house of this prostitute, it says straightway or immediately something that says that the king was aware of because somebody told him that spies from Israel were in the camp. And the king immediately started to send people to get those spies, to gather them up because he wanted to know why they were there. Also, because he was fearful. But in the same time, Rahab heard about this, the prostitute, and she took him up on top of the roof and hid them under some debris and went down and met with the king's men and sent them away that the spies weren't there. Now, there was something interesting when Rahab goes back up and she talks to the actual spies. What she says to him in her confession of who God was and how the fact that all the nations had heard about the many things that had happened before with the different kings on the other side and how they destroyed them and how God brought them across on dry land when it came down out of Egypt. And she talked about how God was the God of not just heaven, but the God of earth, that he was the true and only God. That was her confession of faith. We know that her action of faith was the fact that she saved the men and put them on top of the roof. See, sometimes in the process of knocking down our walls, we need assistance and help from people, people that we don't think would normally assist us or people that we would normally deal with. These are the same people that can instill some things and re-encourage you and let you know that God is still working in your life. First, on his own merit, Mahab affirmed that Israel God had dominion over the realms of heaven and earth. An extremely broad scope that surely compassed the domains of any God that her people worshipped. Second, Rahab stated that Israel God, Yahweh, Yahweh, was indeed the only God. The Lord, your God, is God. And then what she did was she sent off the people that were looking for the spies towards the Jordan. And she told the spies to go the opposite direction, to wait. And if they waited, guess what? They can go back in three days. But she also had a request. Her request was that her and her family would be saved. And the spies told her, as long as you keep your covenant with us, so you keep this code or this actual obligation that you have spoken of, then we will keep you safe when we destroy the city. Because the land was already theirs. The walls were going to come down in your life. Walls will come down if you trust in the Lord. The obligation came with them tying on or her tying on an actual red rope onto her, a crimson rope onto her window. So the spies knew. That when they came there, everybody in her house would be safe. But they also gave her some advice that anybody outside the house would not be protected. We go on to chapter three, the crossing of the Jordan. 
So instructions were given for the crossing of the Jordan. And he told the people to get up again and get ready to go once the spies had returned. And he gave them explicit instructions how this process was going to work. He talked about how the ark was going to go in front of them and how you would follow the ark and that they would see some things and God would work some things out. There was going to be a miracle that took place. It was amazing when you look at the process of how they describe what was going to happen. I think in verse three, uh, chapter three, verse number four, he tells them that you need to follow the ark because this is a way or route of that you have never traveled. You've never seen how to get this way. I'm telling you, there are things in your life to knock down your walls that you have never seen the method or the means to knock them down. And the only way to do that is to follow the word of God. So they followed the instructions explicitly. He talked to them and told them that the priests were going to go ahead of them and that keep about 30 or keep about a thousand yards away. And that there was something going to happen when the priest stuck their foot in the water. And if you got to realize the significance of the time was at this time, it talks about the Jordan was in flood, a priest flood stage or was in flood stage that the water was overrunning. It wasn't like you were going to walk over and the water was going to be ankle deep. The water was going to be drowning deep, but there was going to be a miracle to happen. And he prepared the people for the miracle. It's amazing that if you look at the relationship between Joshua and the things that God did for Joshua and you look at the relationship between the things God did for Moses you can see the hand of God working so they did as commanded the priest took the ark of the covenant and as the priests put their foot in the water it says that the Jordan did just like it did in Egypt in the Red Sea it parted the water and the priest walked in the center of the Jordan and stood there as the children of Israel crossed on dry land. Not muddy, not murky, but dry land. And then there were some instructions that happened after this crossing that they did in order to memorize or to memorialize what was actually going on. To let people know that when they saw some rocks, these 12 rocks from each tribe member went and picked out of the Jordan and laid them as a monument that you will always remember how God allowed them to cross over on dry land. There's sometimes in our lives as God brings us through this process, we need to mark things. We need to write it down. We need to document it so when we can go back in our lives, we can remember and read and affirm in our lives that God has brought us over a point. My wife always talks about she when she gets her promotions or the things that she does, she writes this thing down and then she she says and speaks and prays about this thing and then she leaves it alone. And then over the time, she'll go back and read it again and realize everything she wrote came into manifestation. That's the same way. This was God had told the Israelites years and years ago that they were going to inherit this promised land. But because of their disobedience and because of their fear and because of all the things they put, the walls that they put up to separate themselves from God caused them to be delayed for 40 years. But there is no longer any delay. Here you see in chapter four, you start to see some of the four and five. You see the ritual preparation. In chapter five, you start to see what happened was as they crossed over the Jordan, it talks about now they get over the Jordan there and camp around the Jordan. But they cannot go forth yet because there's still some things that need to happen. They're right outside the window of the Passover. And what happened, if you look at the history of Israel, that before when they left Egypt, all the men had been circumcised under the Abrahamic covenant. But since the, what happened in the 40 years, those young men that still lived, that lived and all the other ones died, they had not been circumcised. So what happens is they had to be circumcised and then in order for this process to continue. So all the men were circumcised and then the Passover happened. 
Sometimes in our lives, you may have to experience a little pain to get your wall knocked down. It may not be so easy. That's why we have to trust and be obedient to the word of God. So in this story, after they get the circumcision and they start to do Passover, one thing that's really unique about this. If you remember the story of the Egyptians as they were in the wilderness, they were being fed by manna. But now that they have crossed over to the Jordan, the great thing is they finally get to partake of the food off the land and no longer will they receive the manna. They are entering into the promises of God. It's a process. There was something that was very interesting in this. If you look around uh, chapter ver- chapter five, verse 13 and 15, you'll see that what he told them, Joshua told them was to prepare themselves and that they need to consecrate themselves to holiness and get ready in God's obedience to take what God had given them. I'm telling you today, saints of God, in order to break down the walls, we have to position ourselves in holiness. We have to be obedient at all calls. We have to study God's word and know God's word and live God's word and be about God's word. In order to break down walls, we need the word of God. We need to operate in the word of God. We got to live in the word of God and we have to become part of the word of God. If you look in here in chapter six, you see them inheriting the land and it talks about the destruction of Jordan. But there were so many different ways that they did this thing. There were so many different specific uh, instructions on how to do it. So they told them, for example, that what was going to be, there was going to be armed men in front of the priests that carried the ark. And then there were going to be men behind the priests that carried the ark. And then the children of Israel would be behind them. And then it talks about what Joshua told them was that you will walk around this building or you will walk around these walls or Jericho and you will be quiet. You won't make a sound. And they walked around. And then on the second day, they did the same thing one time and they didn't say a word. Think about the fact that with all these people, because they talk about 40,000 soldiers and all the Israelites, not one of them spoke a word. They all were obedient to God. They all walked in the knowledge of God and they all walked in the trust of God. Imagine as children of God today, if we could just be quiet and trust God and watch the hand of God do what he needs to do. It talks about they did this for six days, but on the seventh day, Joshua told them this because early he told them to come here as God was giving him the instructions. And he told them on the seventh day, he said, you're going to walk around seven times. And the whole time they're doing this, and each day the priests are blowing the horns. But on the seventh day, on the seventh time, when they walk around as the priests are blowing the horn, he's going to give instructions for everybody to yell out or to cry out. And when he did that, the walls came, come trumbling, tumbling down. It was the destruction of the city. And at that point, Joshua and the children of Israel took possession of the city with the ideology that there was not going to be anything left, that they were going to destroy everything in the city except one person and her family based on the covenant relationship and based on the fact that she had a repentant spirit and based on the fact that she had a trust and faith in the most high God. See, walls can come down. See, Joshua 6. 8 and 10 says this. If you have your Bibles, Joshua 6, 8 and 10 says this. See, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. And the armed guards marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpet and the rear guard followed the ark. And all this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry 
Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. How amazing is that all these people with the children of Israel did not say a word, did not murmur a word. They had consecrated themselves. They were trusting God. I can just believe that they were meditating on the word and the law at the time. I'm asking you all day, saints, that in order to break down some of the walls and barriers that we have in our lives, whether or not man put those barriers in front of us or whether we put our own barriers in front of us, the only way we're going to do this is we have to be consecrated to God. We have to be obedient to God and we have to find a way to walk this thing out. This is the only way we can overcome the walls that are in our lives. Sometimes we can never overcome our walls because we can't get out of our own heads. See, the thing we struggle with are viewed through our eyes with the solution placed on our shoulders as we have as if we have the solution. When in all reality, we do not have the strength or ability to climb or knock down anything without God. Psalms 32:10 says, many are the sorrows of the sinful. But the loving kindness will be all around the man who trusts the Lord. We have to trust the Lord. Almost everything in the city of Jericho, with the exception of Rahab and her family, and the specific things God said to preserve were destroyed. Almost everything because somebody sinned. If we allow God to lead us, we will follow God in total obedience. He and he alone can bring down the walls in our lives that hinder us from walking his promises out in our lives. See, Matthew 17 and 20 says he replied because you have little faith. Truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountains, move from here to here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I don't care what your wall look like. I don't care what you have gone through in your life. If you trust the Lord, he is greater than that thing. We have to have our total and complete trust in God. And we have to be willing not just to trust God, but we got to be willing to be obedient to God. And the part of obedience is this. A lot of times the reason we're not obedient to God is because we don't get into the word of God. We have to study God's word. It says study the show thyself approve. A work need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to always be in the situation. We rightly dividing the word of truth. It says in the word was God and the word has been God. In the beginning was the word. We know the word is God. In order to understand God, we must get into the word. We know the word represents Christ. Christ is the word. We must must follow the word in order for us to overcome the obstacles in our lives. Now, the key to Joshua and the children of Israel's success is simple. In this aspect, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning to show you the key to them succeeding in this endeavor. And this is the same key that we as believers can use to get past and overcome all the things in our lives that are obstacles that are preventing or minimizing our relationship with God. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of laws always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So keeping the law is the key to Joshua's success. 
Israel had to keep the explicit law in order to be successful. It's striking that God's instruction here to Joshua are not about military matters, given that Joshua and the Israelites faced many battles ahead. However, the key to his success were spiritual and the keys to our success is spiritual. Directly related to the degree of the obedience that we have towards God. The key to Joshua's sex were, success were the same as those of a king. Being rooted in God's word rather than depending upon military might. The context here in Joshua is very clear about what is to be the key of his success. In 1, and 7, 1 chapter 1 verse 7 and 8 he is to be careful to obey all the laws. He is not to turn from it right or to the left. He's to have it constantly on his lips and to meditate it on all times. And he is carefully to do everything written in it. Is this not the same commands that we hear or we've heard Jesus say that we need to meditate on the word day and night? His focus is to be upon God's word and will. Then as he leads Israel and taking the land of Canaan, success will come to him. Nothing at all is said here about financial success. The importance of obedience to the law as a key to Joshua's success cannot be overstated. This is emphasized over and over in these two verses. The word, the two words we find here in our passage in Joshua 1, 7, 8, prosperity, speaking of prosperity and success, are almost never used in the Old Testament to speak of financial success. Rather, they speak of succeeding in life's proper endeavors. This happens when people's lives are focused entirely on God. And obedient to him. The focus of people's endeavors should never be prosperity and success, but rather holiness and obedience. A believer consuming obsession should be holiness for God himself is holy. We are the we are to love God with our entire being and to keep his word with the same fervor. And to fear God and keep his commandments. When this happens, when this happens, then God does usually bless us. Although not always in the exact way we might like it to come to pass. In this, the Old Testament has the same message that Jesus spoke when he said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things, food, drink, clothing, will be given to you as well. Our priority is to seek God's face. Our success in this life is wholly dependent upon our obedience and our consecrated lifestyle of living holy. Through this, all walls can be destroyed and we can walk in the promises of God. See, your walls are not impassable. Your walls can come down, but it's a process. The process starts with you consecrating in yourself, seeking God's face, living a life of holiness and trusting God completely. In order to be obedient to the word of God, you must first know the word of God. You must find a place where you can hear it. You must find a place where you can read it. And you must find a time to meditate on it. That the word itself becomes a part of who you are. That everything you do is you trust in the Lord. We talk about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 about trusting the Lord, right? And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord, right? Lean not to our own understanding because we don't know. We have never been down this road. That's why we have to follow the Ark of the Covenant, which is our Bible. We have to follow the Bible because there are things that we don't know that are going to happen. But God does know. He's not surprised by anything. It's time for us as believers. 
believers to eliminate our walls so we can walk in the fullness of God's promises for our lives. I'm not talking financial promises. I'm talking about the things that God is putting you that must be fulfilled, that other people that don't know the Lord will come to the knowledge of him because you have done what God has called you to do. It will position you in a place that people can hear the word. They can see the word in you and they can change their lives and they can walk towards the same Christ that you know. It is time for believers to knock down everything in their lives that is minimizing our relationship with God because God is the only way, the truth and the life. And the only way we're going to get to the Father is through the Son and through his word. It's time for us as saints of God to stop playing. It's time for us as saints of God to look to God, which is truly our help. We're living in a time of coronavirus. We're living in a time where we have identified the racial aspects that are going on in this country and the injustice that are happening to multiple races and multiple people in this country. We're looking at the time where people are struggling to eat and unemployment is at highest levels. None of this will ever be filled if we don't seek the face of God. I don't care how many dollars the government give us. I don't care how many programs they put in place. If we don't seek the face of God, the resolution will never come to pass. The only way we can fix what we have is we got to fix. We got to seek the fixer. God is the fixer of our situation. This is not a financial thing. I'm talking about seeking God. I'm seeking God and I want you to seek God for the knowledge of God, for the understanding of God. Because if we walk in his knowledge and understanding, then we will be able to be obedient and we can trust God and we can watch the hand of God walk in front of us and do the things it's going to do. Saints of God, God destroys walls. We just got to trust him. We got to get out of our own head. We got to seek his face. We got to be obedient. And we got to love him. Because you said, if you love me, you'll keep his commandments. And if you love him, study his word and keep his commandments. Trust and know God destroys walls. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank and praise you. We give you all the honor and glory. We thank you today, Lord God, for breaking down walls. Whether they're natural walls or spiritual walls, we thank you for breaking down walls. We know, Lord God, it doesn't matter what's up in front of us or what's against us, that if you be for us, who can be against us? We know, Lord God, if we can seek your face, you will destroy anything, Lord God, that will cause separation or cause us to be minimized in our ability to have access to you. Lord, I thank you today, Lord God, that every wall, Lord God, every hurt, Lord God, every despair, every situation, Lord God, that is rising up against us, Lord God, that you bring up your standard to destroy it and to remove it, that we may walk in the fullness of the promises that you have given us. Lord, I thank you today, Lord God, for everybody under the sound of my voice. If you are sick today, that God heals you where you are. If you're in despair today, God will give you peace. If you are lost today, that God will find you because he is always looking for you. All you have to do is open your heart to receive. Whatever it is that you have today, if you have a loss in the family, I'm praying today for you, that God will touch your heart and give you the understanding and wisdom and knowledge to know that all things are working together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now, we don't have all the answers, but God does. Today, I tell you, saints of God, As we pray and go before the Lord, let's just trust God in all that we do. And Father, we thank you today, we glorify you today, and we give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. For those out there that do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what a perfect time to know the man. 
it says Jesus is a way. He's a true way, truth, life. And that there's no other way to get to the Father but through the Son. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way. And this is so simple. It's not complex. Sometimes we try to make this salvation thing so complex. All you have to do is believe and confess. That's what it talks about in Romans 10, 9, and 10. Just believing and confessing who he is and what he did. And understanding that through him we have the opportunity to be in relationship with the Father. Man, what a friend Jesus is. What a loving God he is. That he gave his life for each and every one of us. That he was willing to lay it down to come and walk among humans. To fulfill the law that all of us that were separated from God can now have relationship with God and live with God for eternity. So if you don't know Jesus today for your Lord and Savior, if you don't know him, but you want to know him, and I'm telling you right now, what a joyous thing to know who God is. What a joyous thing to be in a relationship with Jesus. Bow your heads today and repeat after me. Father, I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. Forgive me this day, Lord, for all the things I've done in my life. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Lord, I confess that you died on the cross, that you rose again, that I might be saved. And this day, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if anybody today would like to uh, give an offering, uh, please uh, go and donate or your tithes on www.wotm.net. Listen, we appreciate everything that you're giving because it's just helping the kingdom. God has a mission and a plan for every ministry, and it is done through the giving of the people to see the vision that God has put in us. We just thank you today for all those people that are giving and all the help that you're providing for us. 